Hello and welcome to Solopreneur, the show that helps business owners who are flying solo to solve their big sales, marketing and systems challenges one episode at a time. You can watch the video version of this episode at solopreneur.com. I'm Gareth Everson, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about understanding the problems that our clients face. If you've ever faced that scenario where you know that you're an expert in your field, and yet you're just not converting enough interested people or enough awareness into paying clients, then this episode is definitely for you. And by the end of it, I hope you've got more clarity on the kind of things that you need to be talking about by way of your clients' problems compared to where you are today. So let's get into it. This is a really difficult nut to crack, but the rewards are definitely there for those who can solve it. I remember when I first started out in business 12, 13 years ago, I started in just general digital marketing, but with a focus on Google AdWords. I was a Google AdWords certified partner. It was only later that I discovered CRM and email marketing and how they fit into the mix. Now, I've always worked in a technology and digital environment, sometimes around some really clever people in that space. And so you're surrounding yourself with fellow experts. And when you're working with fellow experts to understand your craft and to become knowledgeable in it, there's a certain language that surrounds that expertise, whether you're working with your hands or you're working with clients using experience that you have and knowledge that you have to help them along the way. And that knowledge, that expertise that you build up over many years of practice is something that your clients and prospective clients just don't have in their heads. And that's why there's a real challenge to this. And if I take myself back to my very first website, it was littered with industry terminology and jargon It talked about the specific challenges of getting everything in place and joining up the digital dots. What I should have really focused on was the problems that my prospects were having. What fundamentally was their issue is that they weren't getting enough leads to their website in a predictable way. That's fundamentally what Google AdWords solves, right? And yet I drifted into the depths of expertise. And when people came to my website, it was really putting them off. And I tell you what, there's no greater way of finding out quickly that your message is bombing than spending money on AdWords for it. So I was perfectly fine setting up landing pages and Google AdWords settings for clients and being able to track those conversions. But when I wasn't able to apply that knowledge and that insight and the way that we do conversions on my own site, I realized that I had a problem and an expensive one at that. So if you're encountering this, you're not unique in that space. It happens to most businesses. This is made even more difficult by the fact that as experts in our fields, when somebody comes to us with a problem and they're seeking our counsel or our guidance around it, In our mind, because of the intelligence that we have around our area of expertise, we're already leaping three, four, five steps further down the line from where our prospect is at right now in their own thinking. 
we need to roll it back and especially the language that we use on our website before they even become a lead we need to roll our language back and make it simple for them for for it to meet our audience where they're at right now roll back that knowledge that you have and that jump that you're making to a solution back to the challenges that they face where they're at right now In terms of how we get a grasp of how our leads and our clients refer to the problems that we have, I think it's important, especially in the early days before we've really nailed that positioning on our website, it's important to speak to as many of these people as we can. Important to have one-to-one conversations with them, whether that's face-to-face in an informal setting or whether it's on a Zoom call. Now, in both of those scenarios, make sure that you're making notes of the specific language that that person's using. And I'd encourage you to get their permission that you could record the Zoom sessions. There's lots of online transcribing services now. Try and pick out the exact terminology of how they describe their specific problem. Because if they're describing their problem in a particular way, you can bet any money on it that other people are using the same kind of terminology to describe their challenges. And if we can use that language on our website to attract them and to encourage them to involve themselves more in understanding what that problem is because we're using language that they understand that's that's approachable to them, then there's far more likelihood that they're going to become a lead when we put a lead magnet in front of them or we ask them to book a call with us or whatever it happens to be. The other problem that we also need to overcome as experts is that we're desperate to tell the world everything that we know about what we do. We're desperate to build that authority about the way we do the things that solve our clients' problems. I'd encourage you, especially on the first pages that your clients come to, to completely rein that in to keep the language nice and simple, to reduce the number of words that you're using so that it doesn't bombard them with too much information that they feel like they're awash with words. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking to meet them where they are, to give them belief that we're the kind of person that can solve it. And whether they're whether we're inviting them to opt into a lead magnet at that stage or we're inviting them to read a further blog post on something in relation to that problem, that's where we want to take them next. We're not there to solve their problem on that first page visit that they come to. When I work with clients, I use a methodology that I've termed the Lemonade Plan. And Lemonade is an acronym that starts with leads and it goes all the way through to endorsements when we get somebody to review us, refer us, or do some repeat business with us. And this is the second part in the process. It's the education process. That's ever so important. So the E, the first E of Lemonade relates to education. Now, you can start that education process on your website. The second part of the process comes in the opt-in and they're, they're opting in to probably an email nurture sequence where you're you're able to take them from that position where they're at now with their knowledge through to a deeper understanding of where that problem relates to so that they can then start to take 
logical next steps in terms of how to address that problem, whether it's with you or if they're not a good fit for you with somebody else or on their own. I relate this education process and I encourage you to do the same to when you were back in infant school. So not secondary school, not university or college, but that process that you went through at infant school where you'd be working with your primary school teacher to build an understanding of the world. In relation to what your area of expertise is, you're in effect being that primary school teacher, giving your pupil or your prospect just enough information for them to take that next little step towards understanding a little bit more, A, what their problem is, and B, what possible solutions there are for solving it. Don't write in terms of them being a fellow expert as you. The analogy for that is you're not writing a dissertation in a university project, nor are you writing a long essay as if you were writing your A-levels or GCSE. Where you're at right now is giving them clear building blocks of understanding of what that problem relates to, where it comes from, and possible little avenues that they could explore to resolve that. We're giving them building blocks of understanding so that they can start to take those next steps with us. They can start to understand what those symptoms that they're experiencing relate to and start to make those steps towards being able to solve those problems. The amount of trust that you can build by doing that and taking it in that kind of simple way will blow your mind. It really will. So that's how we can relate it to our websites. But what happens if you're not getting visitors to your website? Where do you go and find people that are experiencing the problems that your service solves? Well, there's quite a few different places where you can find them. The first is online forums. And the most popular one, probably in this day and age, is Facebook groups. If you're serving them in a local environment, it's local groups where people are asking for advice or information. If it's a business problem that you solve, there are a ton of Facebook business groups that are out there where people will post questions and state what challenges that they're facing and invite people to give advice. It's following certain hashtags, maybe on LinkedIn or on X or Twitter, as I still like to call it. And there's also services that will collate people's questions that they have around certain topics. My favorite one is a service called Answer the Public, and you can find that at answerthepublic.com. Now, what happens when you go there is you'll plug in certain keywords related to your business, and what their service does is on the fly will mine all kind of related questions around that particular service or problem. And it will give you lots of different insights into the kind of questions that people are asking in online search engines, whether that's Google, Bing, YouTube, other different search sources. That is an absolute hive of information that you can use, A, to understand the kind of questions that people are asking, but B, to get a grasp of okay, if I'm creating online content, whether it's social media posts or specifically blogs or video content, how can I answer some of those questions that people have so that I can rank higher in the listings when people pose those questions online? So we've looked on social media, we've done our research into the kind of questions that people ask. 
we would hope that by creating that kind of content online and pointing people to specific resources on our website, we're able to then attract their interest. So then it comes to the questions that we're asking them to fill in on our forms. We might be offering them a lead magnet or a checklist around some of these problems that they're facing. I'd encourage you to create your forms to capture not just their name and their email address, but also ask them one or two other specific questions that relate to that problem. Now, there used to be a school of thought probably eight to 10 years ago where every single web form that you'd find online would just literally ask for an email or perhaps your first name and email. And the reason that was is because there were lots of gurus back in the day that would say that the conversion statistics of capturing a lead if you asked for fewer bits of information was far higher. What I would say is that we've gone beyond that. People are used to now giving their email address for information that is of value to them. I believe that people will trust you more if you ask specific questions that give them trust that you understand their problem more. You'll certainly get better quality leads that come through if you ask for one or two extra bits of information around it. It might just be drop downs or it might be checkbox of something that particularly relates to them. It might be radio buttons asking them to choose one or the other of certain things. Gathering that information gives you better quality insights into leads that come to your website. So there are plenty of ways of understanding the problems that our target audience has before they even come to your website. And specifically when they're on your website, there are ways that we can then use language that's simpler for them to understand, that gives them more trust, that you're using language that they can relate to. And then when we ask them to fill in that form, we're building trust with them by showing them landing page and web forms that relate to their specific problem so that they can then build trust in us even further that we're there to answer those problems that they have. So your takeaways today are to think about the kind of language that your target audience is using to describe their problems, the kind of language that they are then going to mirror back to them on your website, and how you're going to make it an environment where they can trust you to leave their details. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about the different stages of the marketing funnel. There are three stages in particular that go from top of funnel, middle of funnel, down to bottom of funnel. And I want to challenge you to think about where you might be trying to target people at the wrong stages. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Solopreneur Podcast. Remember that what we learned today builds more value if there's a plan to take action on it tomorrow. So head to solopreneur.com and check out our growing community of action takers and all the training and software that you need to build a scalable business without breaking the bank. And if you value the show, please help others to discover it too by leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts or by sharing a link to an episode on LinkedIn or wherever your finger does its scrolling.